Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hello, I'm Scott Sosh. And I'm Eben Novi Williams, and this is the Going Back to Nassau Hall Sports Business Podcast, The Sportacast. Oh, yeah. Why don't you just, you know, I'm just the Syracuse guy here on the podcast. But by the way, just so everybody knows, I used to live in Lawrenceville. I was a regular at Winberry's. So... <laughs> All you Princeton folks, you know, you, you can, uh, Eben, you take it away any way you want to go with the, with the first date was at Winberry's actually. Whoa, really? Look at that. Was it with your now husband? Yes. Oh, okay. Well, there we go. Success at Winberry's. That's what Angie wins. Cause she was taken on dates in college. I was just sitting in the library studying while Angie went on dates. <laughs> I've always thought the best name for a bar at a university would be the library. Yeah, indeed. But you just well, tell your parents I'm going to the library. There you go. If it works, Eben, give me something Princeton. And by the way, you, know, you played rugby. We, we, we know Angie. Eben likes to say he was an athlete. I don't know <laughs> if I want to count lightweight football as being athlete, you know, but and they never won a game, by the way, the winless lightweight football team at Princeton. Yeah, I think the, the when you guys were in school, the, the, the Princeton lightweight football team was no good. And, and it continued that way. Did not win a game all the way through uh, well after I graduated as well. Um, so, yes, I am. a I am an athlete, a Princeton athlete, but uh one with an asterisk, according to Scott. <laughs> you know what we haven't done, Evan? We didn't introduce anybody, by the way. Angie Long, yeah. founder, Kansas City Current. Karen Nortman, everybody knows, co-founder, Angel City. Our friends over at Angel City who join us for a lot of things. And let's just go macro right away if we can, because you're in the semifinals, right? Kansas City Current are in the semifinals. Let's go macro. Give me, give me the 30,000-foot view. And there's good and there's bad, and we, we know. But give me the 30,000-foot ownership view of NWSL right now. Ooh, that's coming to me first because we're in the semifinals. So over yes, the you're still playing. You're, you're, you're still thinking. You, you should be in prime competitive mode, Angie. The games last night were amazing. They I were- keep my, my Twitter feed is flooded with, with, with attendance records, more people signing up, 12,000, 20,000. That, that's what I keep seeing. But just excellent, really exciting play. I mean, we won our game in like the hundredth minute of, of you know regular time and San Diego won in extra minutes and it was I mean it was an unbelievable game all the way through. So if you believe from a business perspective that it all starts with the game and I'm going back I'm an old David Stern disciple. I didn't go to law school but I I did study at the University of David Stern. At the core of it all must be the game. Take care of the game. What's the health of the game and then let's move it on up to the owner suite. 
I mean, I think you, you definitely have to have the product that people want to watch. And I think there was a lot of that last night. Um, you know, it, a lot of fun young players coming into our league. I would say that, you know, that to me is always, is always really fun to watch, but, um, I, you know, not every league in the world has playoffs. And I think that, you know, what's happening this weekend may, might be a reason to advocate for it. I think they're pretty exciting. Hi, Kara, you tell me you've cut through, you've cut through the noise. Angel city has cut through the noise. What was the mission? How was it accomplished? How have you reached not only hardcore sports fans, but casual sports fans as well? Yeah, I mean, we started by saying, uh, one, we have the best we have the best female football players in the world. I'm going to use football here. Is that okay for you guys? Totally. <laughs> Absolutely. I see Evan smiling. That makes me happy. Um, we have the best football players in the world. By the way, the world's catching up, which is also exciting. But as a competitive American, I still want to win. I just got back from London from the U.S. Women's National Team game. Um, but, um, you know, and so we started by, like I started by saying after I went to the 2015 World Cup, we have the best players in the world. This is the most exciting feeling I've had as a lifelong sports fan. Why do I have to have it every four years? And so at Angel, I mean, it was a long journey to realizing I wasn't a socialist and I was becoming a capitalist. But when we started Angel City, we wanted to show that the game was, you know, that the brand, the experience was bigger than what happened on the pitch. But what happened, it all starts with what happens on the pitch and being, you know, kind of a player first, player oriented organization and standing for, you know, equality and access and celebrating the best players in the world, both in terms of being able to start paying them more, but also having the best business product and investing in brand and investing in content and giving back to community. And so it's been a fast learning curve um, for me. I think probably for Andy too. I just think it's so remarkable. I do want to celebrate Kansas City's win last night to go from moving a team from Salt Lake City to Kansas City, rebuilding the whole thing and winning and going into the semifinals of the playoff is amazing because you both have to get the business product right and the sporting product right. Um, and so anyway, we're out to prove that, you know, they both can go hand in hand and that when you have stakeholder alignment, it's, it's easier. And when you really authentically believe that money has to go into the game, to elevate both the product on the field and off the field to get people in stands just doesn't happen magically. Like it actually takes, um, you know, kinding up, lining up mission, purpose, passion, and, and capital and talent. We are very excited here in Kansas city, but um, I want to just add on to what you said, which it, it, it happens very intentionally, but I think what is so exciting for me is that it, and for you too, I assume it is actually in the grand scheme of things happening really fast. Like we have been able to gain traction really quickly. And I think part of it is because the product is so good. There just hasn't been a place to showcase the product. Like when this league started, if, that, if the product is happening on a high school field with no environment, that's not a place that fans want to be. And that's not a place where investors want to spend money. But as soon as you start to invest and the environment becomes amazing, the product just explodes. To that point, Angie, you guys are in the process of building your own stadium. There's not many NWSL teams that, that have their own. Talk about that investment and what that means for you guys. <laughs> well, that's what he meant by, you know, many, not does, many. Have does their Louisville own. not? Many. I thought Louisville did, but maybe not. No, there, 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 there aren't any um, that have their own and there aren't any in the world that have been built with the specific purpose of the primary tenant being the women's team. So, I mean, it means a lot. It means that we that everything is, is for the team first, that they're not second in anything, that when you think about the experience you're trying to create, when you think about 
the control points you get from from partnerships and from um, calendar and schedule, uh, it's it's pretty powerful. I remember that being a big priority in early MLS days when all the MLS teams were playing in big cavernous NFL venues that Don Garber and MLS really wanted to, to get the whole league to transition over into soccer. Hey, Evan, have you stadiums. been to Yankee stadium recently and watch <laughs> NYC? Well, not everybody's not, not everyone's enjoyable. Quite yet. No, that's for sure. Um, but it does seem like it, if more and more teams can go the route that you guys are going in Kansas city, it feels like that is another one of kind of these big turning points for the league potentially moving forward. And guys, I think it's important, like, for I'm sure some people have heard you talk about the NWSL. I certainly appreciate your guys' coverage of us and the league. But just to throw out some stats for people who are new to this, um, you know, we had 26,000 and 21,000 fans show up, respectively, in San Diego and Houston this weekend. At Angel City, we've sold north of 16,000 season tickets. Um, we have $40 million in contracted sponsorship revenue. We've sold out Bank of California LAFC Stadium four times this season. This is doesn't happen magically. It actually happens by having a front office that's de- dedicated to where, you're, where people like what I always say is there's almost any ownership structure. I think that can work in in in, you know, kind of any form of sports, but you need the best people thinking about your team at five in the morning on Monday. And if you're not thinking about it until 5 p.m. or you're not thinking about it till Thursday, I don't care if you on one team or multiple teams, that team is not going to do as well as the teams who have that. And that's what you have in Angie. That's what you have in me and Julie and Natalie at Angel City. And you're and that's what you have in, you know, people like Jill Ellis and the like in San Diego. And that's why you're starting to see you know, you're starting to see the results on the business side. And then it turns out everyone starts paying attention when the business side is there because these are the best players in the world. And it is really, really fun to watch them play um, in all of these games. It's an incredible product. So anyway, I just wanted to throw in some stats for you guys. Yeah. Other than that, though, what have you done, Kara? I I fortunately made friends with Angie in college. So, you know. (laughs) Vice versa. Yeah. Thank you, Angie. I also should say the first time the old girls network has worked for us. But um, I think it's like all the changes coming through all the different kinds of owners. But it's been really fun to have someone like Angie and her different ambitious thinking and different approach. I think it just shows different kinds of talented leaders can build in different ways. Right. And they're building a stadium. We're working within somebody else's stadium. So anyway. I want to put those numbers that you just mentioned in, in perspective real quick. And I don't know how specific you guys can get about the finances of your, of your own teams, but we do MLS valuations every year. We have the, the teams at the lower end of those valuations, annual revenue, revenue from 2020, around $11 million. True or false that there are NWSL teams that have higher annual revenue than $11 million? True. I think that would surprise a lot of people. I, I think people look at MLS valuations and, and obviously there's a lot a lot going into to inflating those numbers. But I think a lot of people would be shocked that there are NWSL teams that are bringing in more annual revenue right now in 2021 and 2022 than, than there are MLS teams bringing in. Anyway. Well, if I may, Eben, I think you, I think there's a lot of knuckle draggers who'd be shocked just in particular. I mean, Kara, you come from the world of finance, managing partnered upfront ventures and Angie, you too, chief investment officer at Palmer square uh, reference to Princeton, by the way, that's Palmer square, the little district there by, by the university. Uh, Alexis Ohanian told us and Kara, he's your lead investor at angel city. He told us at South by last year that he would pitch dudes in Patagonia vests, the opportunity to get in early. said, let me show you the data as to why women's sports is about to explode. And they completely ignored him. They would give money for any harebrained scheme 
But if it was women's sports backed by empirical data, they still weren't interested. That you have to you have to love the fact that there's a certain sense of comeuppance now with all of those things that you just rattled off. Um, I mean, I both love it, and I honestly think whenever anyone with the right values and the right talent shows up for the ride, we welcome them on the ride. We all have embedded um, sexism, even women. Right. And so I say right now there's an, in different sports, right. You might believe in one sport, but not another sport. I heard for so long, well, it works in tennis, but it's not going to work in soccer or basketball. Right. And then we hear, well, it works in soccer, but it's not going to work in basketball or it works in basketball, but it's not going to work in, I don't know, Angie golf. Though I think golf does pretty well too. Um, but so I think, um, it's nice now. Like we, we had, I always say we talked to a hundred people to raise our first uh, $800,000 of capital. And so a lot of gratitude, we got it in and we got it in three weeks before COVID because we, we, this podcast might be happening five years from now, if not. Um, but um, I also think it's just really important to welcome people on the ride whenever they show up, as long as they're willing to do the work and invest in the right way. And the right way is not just throwing a ton of capital at it without, you know, kind of culpability and friction and all that, but like, actually, um, you know, so yes. So I, the short answer is, yeah, I feel great about it. And, you know, we welcome, we welcome the newcomers who have money to spend in the right way. And the right way is really important to me, at least. Yeah. For both of you, is capital seeking it out? Is capital seeking you out now, Angie? Is it rather than the other way around? There's yes. I mean, but we haven't, we, you know, our business models are like, like Kara said, our business models are very different. We're not, we're not raising capital. Uh, capital is seeking out the league. Capital is seeking out women's sport. But I think about it even from a, from a fan perspective. And I, I sort of get joy in it. I'm not, you know, mad at the, the, some people have vision and some people need to see it kind of built before they can understand it and, and jump on board. But to, um, to see the, the people that, Oh my gosh, I finally came to my first game and now I'm a season ticket holder. Like those are my, sort of my favorite conversations. Like just because they weren't there the very first day, we're providing experiences so amazing to them that they, like no matter when they get in, they can't wait to come back. My question is about winning versus experience in arena. Uh, I, I find you, obviously you cannot guarantee winning, but I think a lot of teams are built on the pre- are predicated on a business model of success. You can promise atmosphere, you can promise a good time, you can promise entertainment. Who do you think does a good job out there in professional sports? I don't think many people do a good job of differentiation. So what differentiates the experience of the Kansas City Current or uh, LA? What or Angel City, excuse me. What what differentiates the experience for people wanting to come back? Because you can't guarantee wins and losses, even though people want that out of the home team. Um, have you guys been to an Angel City game? I have not been out west yet. Okay, I welcome you to come out. You'll just answer it yourself once you sit in the stadium. Um, but I think it's, you know, I just got back from England. I went to a couple of Premier League games. What differentiates sitting at Liverpool or Leeds from sitting at other teams that have fans who are quiet? Um, I, I think what differentiates the experience is one, having a packed stadium. I mean, that really matters. Having a stadium where you can pack it with newcomers, oldcomers, et cetera, and having an anchor community who really is going to show up and care, 
matters. And, you know, one of the things that's amazing in watching the European men's clubs is that it's, it's, it is their religion. It's a hundred years of history. Right. And I feel that when I go to a Rams game or a Niners game or something like that, um, uh, I don't, you know, and you feel that at certain MLS teams too, an LAFC game, I think Austin, Tennessee, the Sounders, like a lot of teams we studied before we started, you feel that in an angel city game, we have people tell us and, you know, we have people tell us that it's more fun than the, it was more fun than the Super Bowl. We have seen the flywheel every single game of people going from one game to uh, being season ticket holders, literally want, launching WhatsApp groups amongst like their physical therapists and tech CEOs, exchanging tickets in secondary markets that have never existed in women's sports. And I think it's because you feel it in Angel City game in a lot of ways, the way I felt when I went to that 2015 World Cup game. And I was like, I love sports, but I, I feel like I belong here. Why do I have to wait every four years? We have incredible supporters. That's where we started. We started with the Rojas's. We now have probably 10 different groups. And we've been really methodical about building that section. We do not have the full 3252 section built out um, the way you would see at an LAFC game, right? It's 32. 3,252 seats are available for supporters. That adds up to the number 11, the 11th woman. Um, but we're not far off. And uh, Kat Davila, who runs our community, built it seat by seat, person by person. You will not find someone in there who is not authentically someone who's in Slack channels, beating drums, tailgating beforehand, offering me tacos. I go ride my like e-bike around and go hang out with them. So the authenticity, the religion of this thing, even though it's new, is very real. It's very passionate. Um, and then I think everything flows from there. And so the, my favorite emails that I get after a game are from like people who are like, Hey, my 15 year old son is obsessed with PSG and you guys. And people are always like, it's so great for the girls. And I have three girls and I, I love it for the girls. Cause Angie and I were both college athletes and I, I never thought I could be a professional athlete and I can't because I do not have the skill, but you know, young girls having that dream is powerful, but I think even more powerful is realizing you, our demographics are pretty equally split and our highest demographics are 17 year olds to 34 year olds who do not have kids. And so this is not just for the kids and the girls. This is like, this is, um, this is representative of the cities we live in. There are so many lessons I feel like other professional sports can take from professional soccer. And and what you just described, Kara, I think is one of them. We had Arthur Blank on an earlier version of this podcast, and he admitted that the Atlanta United games that they have are way more interesting and, and way more fun for fans than the Atlanta Falcons games, right? Just because of the culture, fandom around soccer, um, moving from kind of in-stadium to to media Walk us through what you guys think are expecting on in, in the next round. I think you guys have a, a year left on your deal. How important is this next round of media to, to kind of match the growth that you guys are seeing in all these other ways moving forward? Galen Orman, this is your wheelhouse more than mine. Oh, wow. Why are you making me do all the talking? You know I love <laughs> it, but, you know. <laughs> um uh, listen, there's, there's leagues are all leagues are structured in different ways, which I think is interesting. But the one thing all leagues do across the world is negotiate broadcast and streaming deals because it's almost like interstate commerce, right? Um, and, um, you know, I guess what I would say is it's hugely important. Like for us to be able to pay players what they deserve, we need big broadcast deals and then we need big deals in anything else we do. Kit deals with, you know, folks like the Nikes and the Ditas of the world. But broadcast is the number one 
NFL is $11 billion a year, right? That's the high watermark for everyone. Even the EPL is at a fraction of that, and it should be at NFL levels or more, given global football is three times the audience. Um, and so we're at essentially zero, and we our revenues are not far off from MLS, right? In certain cases, um, it sounds like above them, far above them, just for ticket sales and sponsorships. And so... Uh, I don't know, you look at the numbers, you guys have the numbers. I appreciate all the work you do on this front, but you have like a half a million to a million viewers that you can kind of, um, count for everything from MLS games, Premier League games and NWSL games. And our games are typically played at weird time slots on like the third or fourth rung of that, um, of that that the Chiefs game station. Yeah. And so. <laughs> As I say, like right now, for me to watch an Angel City game, I have to subscribe to four different streaming services. And I have my mother being being like, Kara, where do I find it? I'm like, I don't know. Go on the Angel City Instagram. Like, it's so confusing. And sometimes it's even in Spanish only. And my Spanish is okay, but not, not great. So it's really important. MLS, obviously, you guys did a great episode on it. Just got a big deal from Apple. I think all the streaming services coming in creates a whole lot of other buyers, Netflix needing to go ad supported um, and others like that. We just hit a younger, different, more diverse demographic. It's so clear that people want to consume the product. Tech is your friend then. So looking forward, you have to, you have to feel good that tech is not only your friend, but your fan base's friend. You yeah. have a conduit to their wallets. I love tech. I bet you do. Angie, you said before that the, that the broadcast wasn't your bailiwick. What would you say is your bailiwick? Angie's is a humble. Everything's her bailiwick. <laughs> no, I mean, in the, the investing side, uh, you know, I love, I love building things. I think maybe that maybe that's obvious, may, maybe not. But um, no, it's just that, look, I don't... Kara has spent more time on it than me, but I, I would think we agree 100% on how important it is. It's also, I think, one of the biggest, investing is my bailiwick, and it's one of the most low-hanging fruit way for you know people to get into what is probably one of the fastest-growing spaces. Can we talk about expansion then, Angie? I'm curious to get your thoughts that there are two more teams coming, one of which seems certainly to be in, in Utah, but that leaves a, a, one other franchise out there. I imagine there's going to be, I'm sure you've talked to folks in a number of different cities all of them interested. What are your thoughts on location, but maybe more important pricing for what could be the last team to join NWSL for X amount of years? Yeah, I mean, there's huge interest across multiple different markets. Um, from you know the perspective of one of the owners in the league, uh, the amount of the investment is is really important. It is not the only factor. I think all the things that go along with um, good ownership, which I, I would agree with Kara completely, like the number one most important part is that people within the organization wake up thinking, you know, it, maybe not just first thing in the morning, but maybe in the middle of the night about how to make the organization better. And that has to be first and foremost. Um, facilities are hugely important. The market itself is really important. But I mean, I think we could get upwards of 50 million for the next expansion team. And for context, Kara, how much did you guys pay it for expansion fee? No, I don't. I don't remember. It's so far in the past. Now. <laughs> well, but I, I think I'll I'll just media train us away here to um, far, far less. <laughs> oh, well, listen. In terms of like the amount of time and energy we spent to try to executive produce getting it done, it was it was billions. No, I'm kidding. Um, the I sweat the sweat equity argument. I love it. 
the sweat equity argument, but I do think that, um, you know, to Angie, to, to just add on to what Angie said, the price tag people pay is important because it's important that people value this. And we still hear people who believe in it, but say, but I want a deal. And you are getting a deal. Look at the, look at what it costs relative to an MLS franchise. Um, and I just love soccer in the United States. I think all of our teams and leagues are going to be worth a lot more than people believe. It's just on the right side of history, demographics, only place Republicans and Democrats come together. I mean, it's really, it might even be important for democracy. I'm not really sure, but you know, after another cup of coffee, I could make the case. That would be um, a wonderful elevator pitch to the I, investors. It's interesting that you say that because I will just, if I speak for Kansas City for a minute, the fact that the World Cup is coming here in 26 is the most united, united thing that has happened in our city, certainly since I've been alive, alive yeah. right? Everyone is aligned around a singular purpose and it's fantastic and it happens to be our sport. So if I say, if I say Arthur Bryant's, what do you say, Angie? Barbecue. <laughs> but, you know, not everybody goes to Arthur Bryant. So that, that is a dividing uh, line as well for people in Kansas City. I just happen to align with Arthur. Uh, I love it. And I think, Angie, by the way, you would sympathize with this. And I think sympathize is the right word. As the co-founder of Sportico, what you said really resonated with me because Eben knows he sat next to me for like the better part of 15 years now. I'll wake up at three in the morning and I keep a notebook next to my bed. I'm like, oh my God, did I do this interview? Oh, wait, how can we do better on our morning newsletter? I have an idea for an interview. We should, it's a constant. It is morning, it is middle of the day, and then I'm up late also talking with others. How can we do better? How did we do for you today? What what suggestions do you have? It's all consuming. And I think the same way, if if you're really going to make a go of this, and it's not just because it's, you know, women's sports, if you're going to make a go of any fledgling operation, you, you better be paying attention all the time. Yeah. And you can't, I think that's the thing you can't fake. And that's where having authenticity around really believing that these franchises will be multi-billion dollar enterprise value franchises. If you actually believe in the upside that I think Angie and I believe in women's football, it's both, it's both, it it, it will, it's the only way it will happen that you will wake up in the middle of the night. Otherwise you're going to think everything else you're doing is more important. So I think it is also, if it's not you and you own a, you own a team, it's just making sure you have people who are world-class and talented, who care, who have delegate, who have been delegated to, to make decisions and have the right amount of capital available to them to execute. And the right amount of capital is not infinite capital, because you need, you need, um, you know, people are always like, do you want as much money as you can get? Like, of course, like we need a lot more capital than we have, but we also need to have accountability and understand how that capital is being spent. But so to the point I was going to make before, it's not just the price tag of the expansion team. It's people who are going to invest in the operations of the business. Because I do think people still think if you have 95,000 people show up at Camp New or Wembley, that that's just going to spill over to the club side. And it, it it's like any other business. That's a massive marketing activation event. And then to consistently get people with butts and seats at different club teams it's a marketing mix. It's building the brand. It's having the front office. It's building content. It's showing up at all the meetings. It's sitting and riding your bike around and talking to supporters group. It's making mistakes and acknowledging them and then spending money internally in your club to get better without the league having to force you to do it. Like Those are the things. I wonder if this resonates with you guys. I remember long ago, I went to a season ticket holder meeting with Bruce Ratner, the former owner of the New Jersey Nets. They weren't even the Brooklyn Nets. And Bruce was a real estate developer. Let, let me, let's call it what it was. He utilized the sports team and eminent domain for a real estate deal. 
but he had to go in the bowels of the Meadowlands Arena and speak to the 50 people, these 50 diehard Nets fans, and convince them that he was really building something better. And he was drained by the end of the night. He was absolutely drained. Does, does that resonate with you, Angie? Like that, that commitment of having to prove that you are there, that you care, that you are building, that you believe in the future, and that it's going to be better later on? Actually, I find it energizing. Um, <laughs> okay, well, he was drained because he wanted a real estate so, deal, so you love it. It's so exciting. It's, it's growing so much. To me, it, honestly, it just seems so obvious. And it's like, as we all we're doing is putting a little bit of a light on how obvious it is, and people are joining us. And uh, I, I, I think it's been amazing. I actually think that's an important point. I think like, obviously everything we do can be draining at times and energizing at times, but there's so many people now, even in some of the difficult news that have come through in the last week who are bidding in the expansion process, who are like, I am more energized than ever. And so I think when you are energized by, you know, recognizing what a like, what an obvious business opportunity it is when you authentically believe in it. Once like what's happened, you know, in the league recently, and I appreciate you guys not like starting with it. Um, but it's, it's been really hard as like human beings to see it. It's been terrible. It's atrocious. It's like every time it happens, I become like a human being in a deep way where I'm like, God, why does this keep happening in every industry we're in? And then you know, if it, it motivates you to realize like, oh my gosh, a lot of, this is the time to move everything forward even faster. There's so many people out there now who have the skills, the capital and believe it, that it is just such an exciting time. This is a time that like a lot of people are going to do very well. And I, my hope is that the people who do the best over time are not just the owners, but the players. And that 10 years from now, maybe we're not at Premier League salaries because that's maybe not sustainable for the ecosystem, or maybe we are, I don't know, but that, that, that we're seeing every stakeholder. Um, or that we've made it sustainable. It'd be great. Yeah, we've made it sustainable. I mean, that is rhetorical. <laughs> Kara, you're referencing there, obviously, the, the Yates report, which Scott and I have talked about on the show in the past couple of weeks. One of the things that I, I found actually fairly interesting in, in, in the documents that, that they released was a letter that a, a, someone who was, a, who was looking to potentially invest in the Boston Breakers a number of years ago wrote essentially calling issue two, he had found out that there were maybe some inappropriate relationships between ownership and players and coaches and players. And his point was, uh, I, I am worried about putting my capital next to, into an organization where this appears to be fairly rampant. I'm curious if you guys have heard from any potential investors talking about expansion, et cetera, just what, what the, the revelations of the past couple weeks, what they mean on the business side in terms of attracting new people to, to NWSL as well. Well, I mean, I haven't heard, honestly, I haven't heard anything uh, from anyone on that. But I will tell you that um, I think a lot of times it's a much better time to be making the investment after something like this has come to the surface and is on its way to to improving and getting better. And, you know, be, make the analogy maybe with the pandemic is like after it happened, you, you, you can see all of the, all those things that could happen happen. And, and now you can carve the path forward with, with eyes wide open and also knowing um, just how many things have changed in, in the league in the last couple of years and the investment that, you know, all of us as owners are making. I think it's just a very, very different place than it was even six months ago. 
Yeah. And I mean, I've actually heard from a number of people who are more excited. And I mean, there's a couple of things I'll just say on that front, because I think it's really important that people listening to your podcast are people who love sports, who invest in sports. Um, no one is perfect. What happened was atrocious. But if this scares people off, um, they're probably not the right people, because um, I think it's important that we allow people to make some level of mistake. Um not what happened, but like where everyone is human. Angie's going to make mistakes. I'm going to make mistakes. You know, everyone's going to make some level of mistake. And so to be a, like, if you are doing the right things, you are investing in the right way, you should be incredibly energized by this right now because, um, uh, because there's going to be a lot, there's a lot of movement right now in yeah. the league. And there's a lot, I mean, Everyone who's interested in buying a sports team right now and getting into the NWSL is trying to figure out how to get in. And it's a really wonderful moment in time to get the right kinds of owners in the expansion process and beyond. Um, and, you know, the valuations are as low as they're going to be. We have no broadcast deal. We have no kit deal, right? Like we are just, we're just starting to sell out stadiums. You just have teams like Kansas City, San Diego, um, Angel City coming in with female-led groups. And women and men need to do this together. And I think people who are doing it for the right reasons, you know, will make conventional mistakes. The mistakes that were made were not conventional. They were atrocious and inhumane. Those are the kinds of mistakes that you make if you're not paying attention or you're, you don't have the right moral compass. All right, Kara, I like to do what I'm told, not all the time. But it says right there on, on your bio, I'm supposed to ask you about basketball and mountain biking. So I'm asking you about basketball and mountain biking. What do I need to know? <laughs> well, I didn't play soccer. Neither did Julie Ehrman, the president of the club, and neither did uh, Natalie Portman, our third co-founder. Julie and I played basketball against each other in high school. I'm showing you my basketball necklace. My grandmother got it playing basketball in the Bronx in 1930. So I can post kind Which of- Which high school? If I make, can I, 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 I'm, a, I'm a Brooklyn- Native, so can I? Which would you know? Which one? I don't think I ever asked the name. I'll go fish it up so you can fact check me. But that's the story my parents told me. Um, I believe. <laughs> I believe. It says 1930 on it. That much I can tell you. She grew up in the Bronx, so that's all I know. <laughs> um, we still have a pickup women's game, me and Julie, uh, with a bunch of amazing women, a number of whom are investors in Angel City now. Um, so I love playing basketball. I was out shooting hoops last night with my middle daughter and throwing a football around. Um, and How do you get in on the Adam Sandler game? Have you ever been invited to the Adam Sandler? I hear that's a big one in L.A. I, I sort of like, I've never been invited. So I've never been invited. I'm going to work on that. I'm going to see if I can get you in there. Thank you. I now I'm then I'm going to have to practice. So it actually like I tried to walk onto the Princeton team and Angie comes from basketball royalty and has an amazing basketball playing daughter. So um, if you get me into the game, just give me some notice so I can uh, I can do some drills with Angie's daughter. Um, <laughs> and then, uh, during COVID, I picked up a new hobby that I love, which is downhill mountain biking. I can also ride uphills, but um, <laughs> so I put on the like face masks and the pads and I'm out there with like 25 year old guys who listen to Metallica. And I, I feel really, really, really good about myself and I'm probably going to break something, but it's the most fun I've had in a very long Ooh, time. That scares the bejesus. Eben is a triathlete, Ironman. What was your, your longest run? Like a hundred miles in the woods or something? Oh yeah. I've done a few hundred mile ultra marathons. Yeah. 
Wow. So you, you're and I love, to, I love to mountain bike as well. So you're speaking you like my language. Or do you like to be alone? Is that why you go in the woods for Yeah, yeah what am I running from? People always ask me. Uh, I really like... Um, I could so get him in trouble right now, but I'm going to stay silent on this one. <laughs> yeah, I love the the physical, the pain and the... Well... Yeah, I, the, just putting your body through that, I find to be... Uh, if you looked at my wall here, you can see Megan Rapino there in her moment that inspired me and two Iron Man finisher things, but they're not mine. They're my husband's. So oh, I there I always say he's he's running away from the four women in the family and our three daughters. So that's what Angie, uh, you national championship rings. What what did you guys get when you won uh, the the, the college rugby championships? Yeah. Do you um, do you wear it? Do you have it? I have it. I, I wear it on special occasions. I wear it rugby reunions. I wear it actually anytime around Princeton, and sometimes I just wear it because it makes me happy. These days, it would be gaudy and be like made into an NFT. <laughs> Like that, that's what championship rings are now. <laughs> I want to give you the final word, Angie, uh, because I, I'm fascinated by Invest in Sports. And by the way, you're going to be participating in our conference this week, Invest in Sports in New York. We have a killer lineup. Uh, excited for, for that to happen. To- sold out beyond belief. Uh, the non-hyperbolic commentary I'm making is that the tickets are more popular in Hamilton. But if I was in the elevator, give me the pitch. Uh, prospective investor, in NWSL right now. Can I have the elevator pitch? And I know we just did 30 minutes on this, but give me, give me point one, two, three. You said it's obvious. You're like, it's an, it's obvious what's right in front of you. This is a great investment. What, what, what are people missing? I think you know, valuations are similar ish to other fully grown out business models that have been invested in in a long, long time. So if we think we're going a hundred times and you're able to get in at, you know, a, more cheap valuation. I mean, it's uh, it's obvious. Another obvious way. A lot of sports don't don't cash flow positively, right? This is one where I actually think you can, especially given what you need to put into it to get to your investment. Um, I, I'd laugh some tech investors if your cash flow positive. They don't want any part of that. Well, they, they want things that are losing money. <laughs> I'm saying there's actually a possibility, yeah, where you can uh, maybe cash flow more in a year than you paid for the whole thing to begin with. We'll see. All right. Well, good luck this weekend in the semifinals. Uh, and by the way, the finals, we didn't even talk about this, but we, we did talk about media. The finals on CBS, that is a significant moment to have uh, on, on sort of your major platform networks to have the, the league there. That, that, that media exposure means a lot in terms of new deals, new fans, tickets sold, all of it. It's, we, we hear the argument all the time. Well, it, it doesn't draw like this. It doesn't draw like that. One, it's a young league. It hasn't been given the same promotion. It hasn't been given the same backing. On equal footing, I think the NWSL and women's sports in general certainly can. Fastest path to a hundred million dollar revenue stream in a known way. I'll say that. I think that's it's it's the it's it's proven that it we can get there um, with the right broadcast deal. So, and the valuations are a fraction of what they are on the men's side. Arbitrage on sexism for anyone who's paying attention. All right, Karen Nortman, co-founder of Angel City, Angie Long, founder of the Kansas City Current. Thank you so much, ladies. We appreciate it. Thank you. All right, Evan, I got to tell you, I mean, I really felt just overmatched with all the Princeton stuff going on. <laughs> I mean, you know, little old me at SU. Good three on one right there. Yeah, yeah total three on one. Uh, I'm, I'm not happy about it. But, you know, if people don't want to believe the investment opportunity, and there are, as you know, for whatever the reasons are, there are women's sports naysayers. People don't watch, people don't go, people don't this, won't that, whatever it may be. 
But if you look at the metrics that clubs, in not all, but that's true of the National Hockey League, the NBA, MLS, if you look at the metrics and the hockey stick up and to the right, you got to believe that maybe they're onto something here and that they're going to do very well in the long run. Arbitrage opportunity on sexism is a great, is a great line, Scott, uh, that Kara gave right at the end there. Um, and yeah, listening to both Angie and Kara talk about the opportunity here, uh, it, it's hard to not want to dip into your wallet, right? And, and fork over a little bit of money. A yeah, couple man. things that stood out to me. Uh, one, the the idea that the franchise ex- new expansion, the 14th franchise, could be a $50 million fee. Uh, that's a lot of money, right? That that's That's more than... It's five times more. It's right, right around what I think NYCFC paid to join MLS, which was about a decade ago, right, Scott? Just to kind of put that in perspective. But that is significantly more than the the low single digits that most of the teams th- that have joined NWSL in the past 10 years, what, what they have paid. So that is a big number, Scott. And, and how quickly both of them, when, when we mentioned the the, the the revenue for, 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 for MLS teams on the low end of, of, of that league, were both like, yep, we got, we got teams that are doing better than that. Uh, I do think that that is going to surprise a lot of people. A lot of those naysayers you're talking about who are kind of automatically point-blank dismissive of professional women's sports. All right. He is Eben Novi-Williams on the Twitter, Novi underscore Williams. I am Scott Soshnick on Twitter at Soshnick. Our producer is Matt Whitehurst. Hope he gets all the good stuff in there. Uh, our digital media editor is Cora Veltman. She loves it when I remind you that the show can be found at Sportacast, which is the hub of what will soon become the Sportico Media Network. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.